Christ is risen. He is risen Hallelujah. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, our resurrected Lord, and those whom Jesus came to redeem, that you and I might have hope to live even beyond the grave, dear fellow hearers of God's holy word. The word of God we meditate upon this morning is another account of Jesus' appearance on that first Easter Eve recorded in John when Jesus appeared to his disciples on that evening. I'll reference those verses as we share the message this morning. Dear friends, it was the first time I had ever experienced it. I was the vicar at the church in Appleton. The pastor was gone. A member was dying. The family called me to come, and I went. As I sat next to his bed in the nursing home, I held his hand as I read the 23rd Psalm. During the reading of the 23rd Psalm, he took his final breath. I kept holding his hand, and I was amazed how quickly life left his body as his hand became cold. That's what happens in death. Lifeless hands are cold hands. Have you ever touched the hands of someone who died? Then you know what I experienced. I can well imagine that's the same thing that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus experienced when they took Jesus' lifeless body down from the cross on that Good Friday. As they placed his body into a burial cloth and put his body in the tomb, I can well imagine that in that process they must have touched Jesus' lifeless hands, and I can well imagine that they were cold too. But Jesus' hands didn't stay cold very long. Three days later, his hands became warm again as he came to life in the grave and rose from the dead. And that is what's going to happen to us one day. One day, unless the Lord comes back before then, we too will die and our hands will turn icy cold as they lay us in the grave. But our hands won't stay cold forever. They too will come back to life. And that's what we're here to celebrate this morning during this Easter festival service. All during Lent, we've been following the theme, the hands of the passion. We saw how hands can be sinful and harmful and cause death. But we're not here today to talk about hands of suffering and death. Today we're here to talk about our Savior's life-giving hands. That's what we celebrate. That his hands are alive because he has given us life. And so now we too share life with others. One of the reasons God gave us hands 
so that we can work and earn a living. And if you pay real close attention, sometimes you can tell what kind of job a person hand, has by, by looking at their hands. For example, a farmer, a mechanic, a carpenter, their hands are usually big and strong and calloused and often are worn down with dirt and with grime. Or think of how precise and steady the hands of a seamstress and a surgeon are. Yes, by looking at someone's hands, sometimes you can tell what work they do. Isn't that one of the reasons why Jesus appeared to his disciples in that first Easter evening? He showed them his hands. And to be sure, those hands were proof that he was alive. But I would also submit to you that Jesus showed them his hands, and when they looked at the nail marks in the hands, he was telling them that he had accomplished the work that his father had sent him to do, the work of winning eternal salvation for sinners like us. That's what John writes in his gospel. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands in the side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. The visible proof of Jesus' bodily resurrection and the announcement of good news that they were now at peace with God through the forgiveness of sins was exactly the kind of news and the exact kind of proof that the disciples needed that night. And why did they need it? Well, remember where they were. They were locked behind closed doors. They, you could say, were afraid of death. If they could put Jesus, the Son of God, to death, surely they could come and arrest them and put them to death too. But I think there was more. Just 72 hours earlier, they had all deserted Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. They turned like cowards and ran when Jesus was arrested. And it was that same night then that the Apostle Peter denied and disowned his Savior God. So we can well imagine that they were afraid, maybe even afraid of God. What must they now look like in God's holy eyes? And Jesus was alive standing before them. They had sinned against Jesus. And here he was, alive. What would he do? Surely Jesus had every reason to stretch out his hand and to strike them down for what they did or failed to do for him. But he didn't. He didn't strike them down. He lovingly showed them his hands and the nail marks. And to prove that he was alive, which meant all of their sins were forgiven and they didn't have to be afraid. They were at peace with God. 
that is what brought joy to the disciples on that first Easter Eve. And dear friends, that's the joy we celebrate this morning. You see, like those first disciples, we, his modern-day disciples, we have failed our Savior too. In many ways, we have turned our backs on him or perhaps maybe denied him or, or maybe disowned him. And more times than not, we use our hands to cause sin not only sin against our loved ones and our neighbor, but, but every time we sin, we, we sin against our holy God. And for that reason, we have cause to fear what we deserve. You see, Jesus would have every right to lock us up too, not behind closed doors in a building, but lock us up in hell forever. Think of how God must look at us through his holy law. And think of how Jesus must look at us every time we fall into sin. And yes, unless the world comes to an end before, then one day your hands and mine are going to turn cold as they lay us in the grave when we die. But today is Easter and we're here to celebrate the greatest news that God will not strike us down for our sins because he struck down Jesus in our place. Jesus has made us one with God again. We are completely forgiven. We are at peace with God. And because that is so, you and I don't have to be afraid of death anymore. Wasn't that an amazing hymn that we just sang? It assures us we will rise and we will live. And with his life-giving hands, Jesus will take us from the grave. He will restore our bodies to life. And he will take us to heaven. And we will live forever, body and soul, at peace with our Father. That's why we celebrate Easter. Because Jesus have, has hands that are no longer dead, but alive and hands that give life to us. But Jesus' hands not only give life, in a way you can say that he now uses us to share that life with others. You see, Jesus not only bestowed upon us peace with God and forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life, he gives that privilege to us to do the same with whomever we meet. John wrote these words. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Just think of how important a day that was when your parents gave you keys to the house. Or even bigger yet, when your parents gave you keys to the family car. By possession of those keys, it's clear that you have authority to lock and unlock doors. 
Well, that's exactly what Jesus has given to us. He gave it to his first disciples. He gives it to all of his disciples. He gives us the keys to unlock the door of heaven for those who repent of their sins and believe in Jesus. And for those who reject Jesus in unbelief, for those who remain impenitent in their sins, he has also given us the authority to lock the door of heaven. Complete and full forgiveness is our Easter joy. And sharing that forgiveness with others is our Easter assignment. What better way can there be for us to celebrate that Easter joy and assignment as we share the good news of salvation with all. Think of what peace and joy can come to a family when a husband and wife who have sinned against each other are willing in Christ to forgive one another. Think what peace and joy we can experience in a family that has been in many ways broken by sinful acts. In Christ we have forgiveness, and in Christ we can share that forgiveness. And think of what peace and joy we can experience in life when we finally, through Christ's forgiveness, are able to be reconciled with an estranged relative or a co-worker or with a neighbor. You see, with his hands, Jesus won forgiveness for us. And with our hands, we are to share that forgiveness with others. With his hands, Jesus won eternal life for us all. And with our hands, we point others to Jesus to assure them that in Christ alone, they have eternal life as well. Yes, Christ's hands are life-giving hands. And as his followers, with the gospel message, we are privileged to share life with others. I began this morning by telling you about the first time I experienced touching the cold hand of someone who had just died. The last time I touched someone's hands that were cold in death were my father's hands just before they closed his casket. I couldn't help but thinking of that today, especially as I prepared this message from God's Word. One can only know the reality in the pain of death when they have lost a loved one or when they face their own death. But the good news, dear friends, is that Jesus is alive. He's conquered death. And death will never have its final say. In Christ, we will have the final say when we stand on top of our graves on the last day and Jesus raises us from the dead. He will do that with his almighty, life-giving hands and then throughout eternity, with our eternal life, we will raise our hands in songs of praise. Dear friends, Christ is arisen. 
blessed Easter to all of you. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.